Good morning. It's Wednesday, September 6th, and you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Let's begin the morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you missed yesterday's show, we are having a very special look back week here on Roadmap to Heaven. I'm away on vacation, but we wanted to be with you this morning. So we're bringing you some of those segments that we've really enjoyed over the past few years. Today on the Look Back Show, we're going to hear from Kristalina Everett about how to set healthy boundaries. We're going to hear from Deacon James Keating, who shared with us about living in the spiritual realm. And we're going to wrap the day up with a homily from Father Chad Ripiger. That's all ahead. First, let's go to Mike Roberts for today's weather and saint of the day. On the Franciscan calendar, today is the feast day of Blessed Claudio Gonzalo. Born in Italy in 1900, his baptismal name was Ricardo, and he was the youngest of nine children in a poor family that worked the fields. At the age of nine, he lost his father, and the family had to work even harder in those fields to survive. In 1915, during World War I, he was drafted into the army where he spent the next three years. When the war was over, Ricardo went back to school and discovered he had a gift for art. At the urging of his older brother Giovanni and his parish priest, Father Rittorio, he went on to study in Venice and in 1929 graduated with honors after developing a special gift for religious art. Feeling called to religious life, he entered the Order of Friars Minor where he took the name Claudio. Upon entering, his parish priest wrote to his superiors telling them, you are receiving not just an artist, but a saint. Claudio made his final vows in 1936, but never felt called to become ordained. He spent his life in prayer and contemplation, producing numerous works of art, especially in the form of sculpture, where he focused on Jesus and the lives of the saints. Claudio's inspiration came from his time in adoration. Often, he spent entire nights in front of the Blessed Sacrament. In 1945, he developed a brain tumor and died two years later on the Feast of the Assumption. Blessed Claudio Gonzalo, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. The following is an encore presentation. We're back talking with Kristalina Everett this week. We've been talking about the purpose God gives us in our life, the obstacles to that, the weaknesses we have to overcome and work with God to overcome because we can't do it without him. And so maybe you've recognized your purpose. Maybe you've identified the obstacles and the weaknesses that are keeping you from getting to that purpose. But one of the most difficult things is that we live in a world where it's sometimes hard to know. You know, we know that we should have boundaries and limits, but it's hard to know what those boundaries and limits are. So, Kristalina, the, the question is, how can we even recognize if we don't have solid boundaries and limits? Well, one thing I've noticed these days is the world is constantly moving the goalpost of what is okay and what is not okay. And people are happy to oblige in following that. But what is okay for you 
and your family? What are you letting in? What do you know you should not be letting in? What friends should you be getting rid of? What things of the world should you be getting rid of? The boundaries aren't just with toxic people that maybe are causing a rot within us that we know is not good, that we need to kind of root up. It's not just with people, but it's also having boundaries of how much we're letting the world in, how much we're letting it dictate our lives, and how much our day-in, day-out faith is being affected by the lack of boundaries of we are people of God, we are not people of this world, so I'm not going to solve my problems like a person of this world because you'll end up frustrated. We need to solve our problems by being the people of God that we say we are and go to God for his help, for his counsel, for his advice to help us change the circumstances in our life. And so many people don't know the difference between the two and they're left completely unsatisfied. You know, you talk about shifting goalposts when you first started that answer, Kristalina, and I wonder subconsciously, you know, how much are we letting the world lead our decisions instead of God without even knowing it? Where do we begin to evaluate that? Is it the world or is it God that's leading us down the path we're on? You know what? This is an example of when COVID and we were on lockdown and everything was happening and there was so much going on, and there still is so much going on, that I forgot to be joyful in my own home. I forgot that it's okay to be happy and loving and have good times within my home because there's so much bad going on. I almost felt guilty with what was happening, and I almost lost a sense of my own joy and happiness because I felt guilty in having that. But regardless of what is happening, God wants us to live in peace. God wants us to live out the purpose and plan that he's given us with joy and trust and not get caught up in that worry and that angst and what's to come and and always looking to the future because then we look past what's going on right in front of us in today. And I am so serious when I say this, that people don't take seriously when God asks them to do something because if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that puts air in your lungs second by second is asking you specifically Adam or Crystalina to do something and for some reason you ignore it and don't think it's that big of a deal there's a serious problem in your life and you probably are struggling in your life because if God is asking you to do something it always is for a greater purpose and plan and a lot of the times it's for you and other people outside of you and there is a ripple effect because the day that that young gentleman came and my life was completely turned around I had a choice to make I had this temptation to say, you know what, I'm having too much fun right now. Not right now. Maybe later I'll get into all of this like chastity and purity and turn it around, but just maybe a little longer I'll stay with it. If I would have done that, I know I never would have ended up turning my life around. I would never would have married Jason. I wouldn't have our children. And I frankly wouldn't be here talking with you. The decisions that you make day in and day out and the things that you say yes to or that you say no to hold weight and you have to take them more seriously in your life. You know, one of the things I think about are so many of the people in my life over the years who I I say, you know, again, good old Catholic guilt coming in, a.k.a. our consciences, right? And I I say, you know, this is kind of weighing on me heavy here that I I know I'm enjoying this. I know that it's really great hanging out with you all, but I think some of the things that I'm doing 
probably not the best. And so maybe I'll go talk to another friend who's not involved with that and all. And they say, you know, Adam, look at the world around you. You're really not that bad of a guy. I mean, in comparison to everybody else, what you're doing, that's not that bad. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad about it. I mean, after all, you could be a much worse person. Whereas, like you said, if the King of Kings was here and he said, Adam, you know who you were created to be. You know who I'm calling you to be. Do you really want to go with, well, Lord, I know I'm not who you called me to be, but in comparison to some other people who really aren't what you called them to be, I'm okay with it. No, no, no. So, Kristalina, I I guess the next question is this. We recognize all of this, and this is probably where we're going to leave off on on our four-week discussion here. What is something we can do? You know, you, you were just talking about that turnaround moment for you. We're in the thick of it. What do we do so that we can let go of the unhealthy things, get away from the obstacles, get away from our weakness, and move towards the Lord so that we can grow in virtue and holiness? First and foremost, I'll always bring everybody back to confession is their starting point if they're perpetually struggling with the vice. And there was something I was constantly struggling with and struggling with. And in order to build up the muscle in this fight that you have, you have to be persistent and you have to show up to that fight. So you have to go to confession and get spiritually strong. You have to make conscious decisions every single day that you are not going to do what it is you know is not right and you know in your heart. You're not left to your own devices and you're not left with this big question mark. Deep down, you know and you have to engage your will to do otherwise and pray in that moment. And I know all of this, a lot of people already know this, But even though they know it, they don't do it. And imagine a month from now or a year from now or even two weeks from now, if you really went after what the evil one is controlling you with and you slayed and you severed that control that he had over you, I know you would take a sigh of relief of that freedom that you would experience and that you could move forward in embracing becoming that man or that woman that God has created you to be because some of you are really missing out on some beautiful gifts and mission that he has for your life, settling for less when you know you deserve better, and you're the only one that can get you out of that rut. It's the truth, friends. It's the truth. Having been there myself, I mean, Kristalina shared a little bit of her story. I'm going to tell you, I've been there myself. And and like I said a few weeks ago, Kristalina, sin makes you stupid. And I was really in the thick of that, making some bad decisions, all out of a desire to find acceptance, to feel wanted, to feel needed. And the more I thought I was going to do things that made me feel wanted and feel needed, the more I just kind of felt alone and empty and enslaved and hopeless saying, well, I know this isn't what I'm looking for, but I don't know any other way out. And it was finally through the grace that our Lord offered through his blessed mother, very specifically on August 5th of the year 2002, a day I will never, ever, Mm. ever forget that luckily I started to find freedom. And, you know, once you have a taste of freedom in the Lord, that's enough that to make you want more and God willing with his help turn your life around. So And I'm gonna tell you quickly, Adam, if you're using that phrase, it's not that bad, that's all I used to tell myself to justify my sin. Never say that again and cut the serpent's head off because whatever you're doing, it is your downfall. 
Yeah, as a teacher once said to us, if you uh, think, you, I wonder if I'm across the line, look about 200 yards behind you. That's where the line is now. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's not that bad. No, it is. Crystalina, these last few weeks have been wonderful. I look forward to our next time together. Uh, our conversations are always insightful for me, and, I, and I'm sure they are for our listeners. So thank you, Crystalina. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. And I'll tell you what, one other thing, friends, if you can't wait, if you can't wait, you say, no, I, I want to hear more of Crystalina sooner than that. Well, go to ourcatholicradio.org and, and click on the schedule tab. And I'm doing it right now. You can pull this up because on Saturday mornings, on Saturday mornings here on Covenant Network, you can listen to Crystalina's show, Women Made New. And it's a wonderful, wonderful show at 11 a.m. Central Time every Saturday here. Until then, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. When you come back, we'll have more Roadmap to Heaven for you. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. O oh my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. The following is an encore presentation. A few weeks ago, we were privileged to have Deacon James Keating, who is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Glennon Seminary, with us here on the show. And I know many of the men that listen heard Deacon Keating at the Catholic Men for Christ conference, and we're happy to have uh, the Deacon back with us here on Roadmap to Heaven. Deacon Keating, good morning to you. Good morning, Adam. Thank you. Last time you were here, we were talking about prayer and really how to just go a little bit deeper. And today, that's kind of the hope as well as to push a little bit deeper into our prayer life. And as we begin, I kind of want to go back to something that you said at the men's conference, and that was that whole idea of just living. Are we living in the gospel or are we living somewhere else? And what does it look like to have our lives uh, living in the gospel? We hear in St. Paul, pray without ceasing, you know, but what does that actually look like? Because I've got to get my work done here at the desk and I've got to cook dinner for the children and I've got to drive and I've got to go to soccer practice with the kids and, and all of that. And I'm always feeling like I could go deeper into prayer, but sometimes I feel like I'm hitting that wall of what does it actually look like mm -hmm. to go deeper. So I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this are as we begin today. Yeah, the, uh, the question about where do you live is probably the most important one because if we're going to pray, which basically means if we're going to be more fascinated with God than we are with ourselves, we have to disentangle our affections for uh, objects of interest that are less than God. And so this is the great struggle. And you mentioned St. Paul. St. Paul mentioned this as well, that the spiritual life is a struggle. And it's a struggle because we get lost and entangled in things less than God. And in doing that, well, they are attractive uh, because usually the things that we get entangled in are things that uh, immediately gratify us. And prayer does not. Prayer is not an experience of immediate gratification. And so when we uh, live deep within the, um, the popular culture of the U.S., for example, and then we try and go to church and pray for 10, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to notice that this is not going to be an immediately gratifying experience. And so if we are living deep within the passing age, as St. Paul says in Romans 12, 
it's going to be a, a, a bit of a slog to get into prayer because prayer does not have that hit or that payoff that, let's say, listening to a podcast does or, you know, listening to a, a movie or going out and playing sports or having a drink of scotch. These things give an immediate hit. Prayer doesn't. And so we have to trust as we're going into prayer and leaving our normal uh, lives that are somewhat addicted to immediate gratification, that we're going to have to be patient and there is going to be a time of transition. I think of one of our favorite places, all of us in the world, to go to is the DMV, you know, because we get to sit there and, and it what seems like ages. And recently I discovered a place that's even worse to go wait than the DMV, and that's the Social Security Administration. I had to go apply for a replacement card. And the, the, the security guard said, uh, did you bring something with you? Because looking at this line, it's probably going to be at least an hour. And I laugh, and you're laughing as well, because how many times do I go home and say to my wife, I just need a few more moments of quiet, if I could just get some time to not have to do anything. And here the Lord blessed me with 60 plus minutes of not only not having to do anything, but not being able to do anything because they don't want you on your phone. They don't want you making noise. I didn't bring a book with me. And for the first time in a long time, I just had time on my hands to sit down, somewhat close my eyes and detach from everything going on around me and say, all right, I've been given this time. I could spend some time with our Lord, or I can fidget with this ticket and wait for them to go from number 50 to number 67, which is going to take probably four days. <laughs> and that's one of the things that you mentioned in the beginning about Thessalonians that pray always. A lot of times God gives us those examples where he brings us to what I might call secular chapels. And these would be times, you know, even on the, the grocery line at Schnucks or something like that, you're waiting uh, in an in a unexpected place. And we can either experience the withdrawal symptoms of the culture of immediate gratification, which usually leaves us in anger or frustration, or we can make that slight turn of the will and be with the Holy Spirit who is indwelling our souls. And that's a habit that we have to um, cultivate. So at the motor vehicles or at the Social Security or at the line at a grocery store, uh, we make that choice. We have to make that transition of imagination that God is everywhere. He's trying to get our attention anywhere and everywhere. And so to begin that uh, new habit of not withdrawing from immediate gratification, but making that slight turn of the will to be with God in these unexpected places and uh, make an act of love and be with him. I would imagine that a large part of this is discipline. And and by that, I, I think of the fact that I've spent most of my life as an artist, as a musician, but now I am working on a writing project. And uh, a colleague of mine who's written several books said, Adam, the, the key to this to get started is every day, whether you're feeling it or not, sit down with your pen and your paper and write and just take time to write and get into that discipline. And it was the same with practicing music that some days I felt like, oh, I just want to play for hours, and other days it was, I need to sit down and do this. And as we think about, you know, probably not having that transfiguration moment in the, the line at Schnooks that, oh my goodness, I am now on the mountaintop here <laughs> as, as the line wraps around the store because everybody went shopping at the same time. Uh, how can we build discipline in our life so that when we do have those moments, it's easier to make that transition or, as you say, not be stuck in that moment of withdrawal from the world and move into the, the world of the supernatural. 
Yeah, and one thing to do is to cultivate an anchor in, in prayer, because most of us want to go into the church or chapel or a quiet place in our house, and, um, you know, we think time has passed very quickly, and we realize we've only been in prayer five minutes, and we get fidgety, and we want to uh, move because we're restless. So to have some anchor to bring with you, and probably the greatest anchor would be either the Word of God or, or the Rosary, which to some extent are the same thing. Because when you pray the Rosary, you're basically doing Lectio Divina of the Scripture. You're thinking about the mysteries of Christ in the Scripture. Or you could just bring the, the New Testament or the Scripture uh, with you and use that as an anchor. So that when you want to leave the silence, when you uh, think you're missing out on something, and you'd rather prefer to be outside of prayer, but you've only spent five or ten minutes in it, then to pick up that scripture and start reading a little snippet from the Gospel of John, or to start uh, the rosary, it's an anchor for your uh, body to become disciplined to stay, and to stay in place so that God can find you, if you will. If you don't start this discipline now, if you don't push through the pain of the beginning of prayer, you're always going to give up too soon. And there is a, uh, a portion of time that we have to get through so that we acclimate our emotional system and our body so that when we go to prayer, we realize, okay, this is something now I'm beginning to look forward to. What? The quiet, the stillness. Before it was the enemy. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to silence. I'm not used to stillness. But now it's becoming something I look forward to because I stayed long enough and I pushed through that suffering, and it really is a suffering, to get used to that silence because we live in a culture of noise. I stayed long enough to go through that suffering and get on the other side of silence. And sometimes those two anchors might help us. Or even looking at or holding a crucifix uh, can be an anchor in prayer, in the beginning stages of prayer, when we're still restless and don't want to stay. Prayer for God's Blessing of One's Daily Work O Lord my God, Creator and Ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts. With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Some in life are called to the radical asceticism, I think, of the, the Desert Fathers or of those still in the monastic communities where they give up so much of the comforts that we enjoy in life. And and I think uh, back to when we started the season of Lent, someone said, are you going to give up coffee? And I said, why would my fasting cause someone else to do penance? <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to bring that up on others. We talk about moving out or, or detaching from the things of this world, those immediate gratifications, those comforts we have. But Sometimes I think we get preoccupied with, well, the two must be mutually exclusive. I mean, for example, 
one of my earliest retreats I went on in high school, it was my junior year of high school, and one of the faculty members was my freshman English teacher. And he, every morning when we got up at the retreat house, he had already been up for an hour with his spiritual reading and his cup of coffee, sitting in a rocking chair, looking out the window in the foyer at the retreat house. And I thought, now that's a guy that knows how to pray. And that's something I've taken with me is that, you know, in the morning when I do my reflection, I can have that cup of coffee with me. So does that mean, I guess the question is, do we have to leave these things behind, or is it really just a question of what's more important? Are we willing to leave them behind if we need to, or can I sit outside perhaps in the evening with a cigar and a, and a cup of or a glass of whiskey and have that quiet time, that time in prayer, maybe whether it's doing that reading or just that meditation or in conversation with God in the quiet on my front porch? Yeah, well, you know, you know, Catholicism is both ends. So yes, both reading Scripture and having your whiskey is a very Catholic thing to do. Uh, what is not a very Catholic thing to do is to have a sense of um, being driven to the whiskey or driven to the immediate gratification as if you're dependent upon it. And one of the beautiful things about entering a life of prayer is that the more your prayer opens up to real communion with the Trinity, you'll find that those emotional uh, experiences of neediness or drivenness or anxiety will to some extent be placated by the communion. And there won't be any sense of, oh, I got to maybe choose this uh, over God or God over this. The closer you get to God, the more you realize, I don't need a lot of what I thought I used to need. Prayer itself is the simplifying agent of our lives. And we won't be struggling to let go of the third whiskey. We just won't want it. As our prayer and our communion deepens, our desires become simple. And in that simplicity, we've made room for satisfaction of just resting in relationships. In Catholicism, to be simple means that you put relationships first. You can be a billionaire if you want, um, but the reason that billion you have in the bank is tempered is because in your heart, you're actually a simple person who is always prioritizing relationships before achievements, before things, before possessions, before immediate pleasures. You're always prioritizing relationships. And that's the result of this ever-deepening prayer. When we die, the only thing that's going to be in heaven, as far as we know, is relationships. So we better get used to heaven before we die. And getting used to heaven before we die is entering again and again into this ever-deepening love of being in communion with God. And because we're in communion with God, then, of course, we are in deep communion with one another. As we wrap up, one last question I'd like to ask is about really this whole idea of, well, that's the saints, but it could never be me. And we read of so many great saints, uh, one of my favorites, St. Philip Neri, who after he died, they found his heart was enlarged several times the normal size of a heart, and they attributed it to his heart's burning desire to be with our Lord, or we think of the saints who were in ecstasy, and we think, well, those were the saints long ago. Um, Are we selling ourselves short if we think that well, I'll never get to that place where I'd have that moment of ecstasy like the saints have had. 
Yeah, I mean, the greatest moment of ecstasy actually is fidelity to this communion we're talking about. Whether there is a, uh, a sensate experience that goes along with it, whether you levitate, whether you get the stigmata, that's really secondary, way secondary. What's priority here is that you carry this peace in your heart as the fruit of your suffering, this, com- this coming of God and this displacement of all other things. The real payoff for prayer is that you're finally resting in your human nature and what your nature was made for, which was to go out of yourself, become more interested in another, and rest in that relationship. First it's God, and then of course it would be whatever your vocation is, and then the service of the poor. And so prayer is the anchor for all of these uh, experiences of being faithful to what it means to be a human being. If we levitate, if we get contemplative experiences that move our hearts in an affective or emotional way, great. That's, that's gravy. Uh, I always say that would be like you're sitting outside and a bird alights upon your hand and you, you watch this bird for a few seconds and then it flies away. And it's like, okay, that was a nice experience. But the reason I came outside was to garden or play baseball. And that's the same with prayer. It's like, that was a nice experience I had, but, but let it go. The reason I came into this chapel was because I loved God. I wanted to be with the one I love. Whether I experience something or I don't, you've made the right choice. I think of all the times we spent in high school youth ministry, especially at the Steubenville conferences and talking about there are moments of consolation and prayer and they are wonderful things. But that is not the we don't go to pray for the consolation. We go to pray for the sake of the prayer. And I think you've just reminded us of that. Although I have to say, I am curious to know what it would be like to levitate. But who knows whether or not that will ever happen. There are more important things in life. Deacon Keating, thank you for coming back to be with us to talk about prayer. It's always a joy to go a little bit deeper in the conversation than we did the last time uh, you were with us. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for our faith. We ask that you deepen this faith, that you do indeed change our desires to make your presence a priority that we choose each day. We ask this through the intercession of all of our patron saints and the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. Consecration to Mary. My Queen and my Mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. We are midway through the week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. And this week, Patty is reflecting on the precious blood of our Lord. Patty, what's in store today? Well, yesterday I shared a beginning quote from John Paul II. Today we're going to continue that. His reflections on the precious blood of Jesus I thought were beautiful. In Evangelium Vitae, number 25, he said, Precisely because Christ's blood is poured out as the gift of life, the blood of Christ is no longer a sign of death of definitive separation from the brethren, but the instrument of a communion, which is a richness of life for all. It is from the blood of Christ that all draw the strength to commit themselves to promoting life 
It is precisely this blood that is the most powerful source of hope. Indeed, it is the foundation of the absolute certitude that in God's plan, life will be victorious. End of quote. What I loved about this reflection when I brought this to prayer is the words, it is precisely this blood that is the most powerful source of hope. Our hope is in the precious blood of Jesus. Our hope is death no longer has the final word. Our hope is in the resurrection. And it is Christ's blood shed on the cross for us that is the most powerful source of our hope. Have you ever thought of the blood of Jesus in that way? I hadn't, to be honest. And that just kind of blew me away. So I wanted to share that with all of you today. Again, we're thanking God for the precious blood of Jesus. Let's bring this into our vocabulary. Let's bring it into our prayer. And let's remember that it's the most powerful source of our hope, the precious blood of Jesus. Patty, thank you for bringing together hope and the precious blood of our Lord in today's Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this look back show here on Roadmap to Heaven as we've revisited some of those segments we've enjoyed over the past few years. Let's close out the morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've got another Look Back edition for you tomorrow on Thursday. We're going to hear from Dr. David Anders and Father Wade Menezes. You won't want to miss it. Until then, thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And as I would remind you, if I were in the studio live, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.